Welcome to This Lesbian Shit is Intense, a The Bold Type podcast. I'm Katie. I'm V. And we are here to talk about our favorite show, The Bold Type. Um, Thank you, everyone who listens to us and talks to us about the podcast every week. We appreciate you so much. Please um, follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at This Lesbian Shit. And then subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us. And we have another new review this week. So, B, what does it say? So, this is from, and pardon me if I get it incorrect, I believe it's Doshi China. It says, this podcast is awesome. The way y'all break down and analyze these characters and their situations one by one is very entertaining and thought-provoking. Y'all also point out things that I miss while watching the episodes. I love the fangirling over Kadena and how much y'all enjoy the show because I relate 100%. Thank y'all for doing this podcast. Y'all are great. Hashtag Kadena for life. That'll be on the back of our podcast (laughs) shirts. So yeah, last week was a doozy. It took a lot out of us, didn't it? Yeah, I re-listened to uh, 207's podcast. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. We have more energy this week. (laughs) We're much happier this week. (laughs) If anything, this episode, like, really illustrated to me how bad last week's episode was. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I love. Stories driven by the characters and their motivations. Yeah, I'm like, oh god, they really just didn't do that last week, and so it really had an effect on the whole fandom. Though, like, it felt completely dead after the episode. Like, no passion, nothing. It was all gone. Yeah, I think it took me like five days to process, and so I didn't want to be adding to the negativity on Tumblr. So I was pretty absent. And then when I got back, I was like, "Oh, I guess everyone else is taking a break too." It really felt like after 105 last season when Adina goes back to Paris, mm-hmm. and you know how we like crashed a little bit until <laughs> episodes eight and nine. So this was episode 208 called Plan B. And it was written by Becky Hartman Edwards, also a new writer this season, and directed by Marta Cunningham, who also directed the last episode. And I think she's a really good director. I think the direction was probably the only thing I liked about the last episode. So, God, (laughs) we start this episode with Jane and Ben having sex. And I was just like, why the fuck am I always having to sit through them having sex when Adina's not even in the episode? I'm like, can we have some straight sex and some gay sex in the same episode? I'd be a little more tolerable. Can I get my gay sex to be on par with the fucking Jane sex? We watched Jane and Ben almost make a fucking baby together very explicitly. Can we get a Kadena parallel or something? Give me Kadena opening up an episode of sex. Let's start the bar there. Oh, man, that would be a good episode. Just like starting out with Kat and Kadena having sex. Right? What more could we want? Yeah. So, oh, but the important part of that scene is that the condom broke. Oh, yes. So they have to order Plan B via Postmates, which is apparently a thing in New York City. It's fucking hilarious that Jane is like, let's get Plan B immediately, when, as Ben said, you can take it within 72 yeah. hours. You do not have to take it immediately. <laughs> I get I, I get that, though. It's like, bitch, I'm not playing games. Like, <laughs> we need this Plan B. 
I thought it was so funny and great that she was FaceTiming Kat and Sutton, like, through her computer and phone. Like, she had to talk to both of them face-to-face to process this. Oh, my gosh. Also, where was but Sutton? But that just... Was she... Oh, she wasn't in their apartment. Exactly. Was she, was she at work still? Where the fuck was she? Yeah, because she's not dating anyone. Exactly. So, where, I didn't think about that. Where was Sutton? Hashtag, where was Sutton? So then... Ben calls Jane his girlfriend in front of the fucking Postmate mm-hmm. driver. And I was like, oh, fucking course, you guys. <laughs> like, give the guy a goddamn break. He's had to deliver you plan B in the middle of the night. I know. I was like, make out after he leaves. But also, fuck you, Mr. Pharmacist, man, with your fucking little note about maybe use contraceptive next time. You know what? They fucking did. Shit happened. Oh, yeah. Fuck that pharmacy guy. So then Jane is nauseous from the plan B the next day. She's walking in to Stafford with Kat and Sutton. And they fucking run into Pinstripe. And Pinstripe just happens to be freelancing for Porsche Gardens or whatever it's Mm -hmm. called. And he makes this fucking stupid ass comment that Jane is nauseous because of plan B. And I'm like, would a guy even guess that? Pinstripe I mean, he was a one. sex writer, Katie. I mean, he knows a lot about sex. Uh, I just hate <laughs> him. I don't like him. If they could find a reason to make Pinstripe be in this episode, they could find a reason to make Adina be in this episode. <laughs> They're just continuing to build this Pinstripe thing because, you know, then we get to see him later on interact with Kat. So, you know, we're just, we're just building him. In, we're integrating him. Cleo comes to meet with Kat and wants her to be an influencer for a beauty care line called Whole Spa. And she talks about how it's a great line to get involved in because they don't do animal testing and it's good for the environment. And Kat has a unique story to share. So she would be great as an influencer. And I was like, yes, Kat is an influencer. She is a unique person with a unique story and I think it interestingly parallels Kat and what she represents on the show versus Cat mm-hmm. and what she represents in the bold type world working at Scarlet Magazine. So the second time that I watched it, I noticed that she said that you have a unique identity and story. And I don't know if it's because I don't like Cleo or what, but like instinctively, I was just like, what do you mean I'm unique? I got a unique identity and story. What are you trying to say? Because the implication is like my being not white and queer makes me unique and interesting, which it does. But also I didn't feel good about this white woman telling me that. So I don't know. Oh, true. No, I have more to say later in the. So the whole thing here with Cleo was like, I liked that it was setting the stage for like what Kat represents in terms of her being a good role model and things like that and and to to have that representation. But I do think Cleo and her like intentions are a little off. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't like really paying attention to it in this scene because it was like Kat does deserve to get recognition for all the things that she's accomplished. And I could understand how that's really flattering to Kat, who works in social media, to know that she herself has an impact on people. Mm-hmm. It's not just what she's doing for Scarlet Magazine. Yeah. So then from this scene, we jump to a fashion closet scene, which we got so many of in this episode. Mm-hmm. They're I making was up. so happy. <laughs> we find out here that Oliver's in Paris 
and Sutton is in charge and she has a lot of responsibility, which is a good payoff to the whole Oliver and Sutton are a team from last week. Mm -hmm. And in this scene, Jane is nauseous still from her plan B and the girls are encouraging her to go to the doctor and she's like, my boyfriend's a doctor. I don't need to go to the doctor. And then when she said that, I thought a great moment between Sutton and Kat where they were like, oh, did you know that Ben's a doctor? (laughs) She never fails to tell us that. And that was such a cute, like, friendship moment. It made me really happy. It was, like, the stuff we were missing, mm-hmm. I think. So I didn't know that Plan B made you nauseous. So when I was watching this, I was like, is she pregnant? I was like, was the Plan B too late? I was like, is she knocked up? I was, I was like, oh, I did not think we were doing this. I was really stressed for a minute. <sighs> so yeah, I did not, oh, that's I did so not funny. You were like, "Are we gonna have a fucking baby?" On the I know. I was, I was like, "Season three, baby." <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So then we jump to the budget meeting, um, and Sutton's like, "Oliver just told me to smile and nod." So she was like, "I thought it was so funny how she's just hanging out, feeling important, sipping her espresso, her like, not espresso trying to get was so cute." <laughs> I know. I just thought it was great. And then Jacqueline's like, so can we cut 10% of your budget? And so I was like, what? I know. She was not ready for this. I felt so stressed out for her. I thought um, it was funny when she tried texting then, Oliver. I was like, why the fuck are you texting him? You're not going to get a response in time for like the, this meeting. I know. And she's right next to Jacqueline, too. I'm like, Sutton, come on, girl. It's going to be okay. And Kat was no help. I'm like, Kat, you're a department head. Like, I know. She didn't like even say anything to her. She just like let her freak out and text Oliver. But it was a good scene. Oh, and then Sutton ultimately does agree to the budget cut without getting permission from Oliver. And then we go to a scene where Jane's at the doctor, her primary doctor, I guess I'm assuming. So her doctor brings up with her that after the scare, she really needs to be thinking about her her fertility plan and starts talking to her about um, possible prevention surgeries, referencing her BRCA gene from season one and the effects it has on her life and I thought this was a really interesting scene because you know I know a couple of people like a couple friends you know that are 25 26 that have had through various reproductive medical problems that have had to think about their fertility without wanting to mm-hmm. and to see that shock kind of wash across Jane's face I just felt that right away in the scene the shock, the pressure, the fear, everything, I think, was visible there. I think Katie did a great job in the scene and in this whole episode. Yeah. I don't think that people often think about medical issues as something that young people have to deal with, but it happens. And so watching Jane go in for this and then to have her doctor bring that up, it immediately pulled up a wall for me where I was like, whoa 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 doc like she came in for this one thing why are you bringing this up and I was so stressed out for her I can't even imagine what Jane was feeling to like have this suddenly presented to her and for it to be a reality of something that she needs to consider and I think a lot of people think when women start having like conversations with their doctor about fertility it's like when they're older Mm mm-hmm Like, not that women don't have kids when they're younger or anything, but when they start having issues with fertility, they just kind of relate it as they're older, 
when in reality, just women's health care in general is not as advanced as it should be. I mean, and, and women's education around reproductive health care, especially like people don't understand that there are so many women 25, 26, 27 and younger that have to that are faced with these decisions so young mm-hmm. before they're before they're ready to and like yes there are, are a lot of people that have kids at that age but there are also a lot of people that aren't ready yep and something that like just really hit home for me was knowing someone who went to the doctor for something completely unrelated and found out that she had an issue with her reproductive system and in two weeks has to decide if she wants to freeze her egg or doesn't like who the fuck feels like they can make that decision in two weeks yes it's like these are the kinds of things that you want to take time to consider because they're big and important but the reality of life is that you're not always given the time that would be ideal and Jean was nowhere near thinking about babies but it's something that she needs to start considering so it was real and I I was glad that the bold type went there um for Jane's storyline yeah you know continuity on this show man last season we didn't just get the breast issue episode just for that you know we we've heard about her mother in the past then she, you know, got tested, and here it is coming up again because it's not just, you know, like in TV shows, I feel like things can be brought up and then we leave it alone because we've covered it. But if we're talking about things realistically, this is going to be a thing that comes up for Jane in life because this is something that will be relevant to her being beyond this one episode in in season one. So I appreciate that they brought it into season two. And that's something... Anytime, if Jane's dealing with something difficult, if it feels intrinsic to her life, I tend to actually really like those Mm storylines. It's when it's more like Jane's trauma of the week that it doesn't hit as home for me. Mm -hmm. But stuff like this on something that is going to affect her life, like now and the future, stuff from the past, like all interconnected. It's just a character that feels like a fully realized human being. Mm -hmm. And so... Even if you can't relate to Jane, you can you can sympathize with her. So I just thought that was great for Jane throughout this whole episode. Yeah. Um, and then we jump to Alex and Sutton having a great conversation. And I was like, holy shit, I've missed them this whole season. That was my exact Do you remember reaction. How ma- <laughs> I was like, do you remember how many great scenes they had in season one? Just the yes. two of them. I miss them so much. They did their, like, little high five. Yes. Did you see that? Yes, which reminded me of season one where Alex did that little, like, dance thingy with her, like, telling her to be, like, a power move. The, the power pose? Yes, the power, the power pose. pose thing. And I was just like, you I know. see this friendship, like, there. <laughs> Why don't we get to see more of Alex? I miss him. God, it was so great. And, like, Sutton was talking to him about rebudgeting, like, just as friends. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect. I loved everything about it. And then um, Jane comes in. It was like fashion closet emergency. And Alex was like, do I want to come? And I was like, yes. Go to the fashion <laughs> closet with them. Why have we never seen Alex in the fashion closet with them? I know. How perfect would that be? I would be so happy. Um, and then 
we jump to the fashion closet. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the fashion closet and they're breaking the girls are breaking down Jane's choices. Um, Jane's trying to decide if she wants kids. Sun is listing all the famous celebrities that have had kids under the age of 25. And oh I'm like, gosh. that's probably a relatable way to process this. Sutton. I was just kind of confused. Uh, I was like, what are Sutton and Kat saying? I was like, are they trying to encourage Jane to have a baby right now? Like, is that what we're doing right now? Yeah, I was like, what's happening? And then they made a joke about the turkey based Kat was like, have you thought about doing it solo? And I'm like, why is she doing it solo? Is she having a baby right now? With Like, I don't understand what you're saying. And then Sutton's like, why don't you just use Ben's penis? And I'm like, why are we trying to get her pregnant right now? The woman needs to process a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think their way of helping was maybe to try to lighten the mood since Jane was so um, upset. But I did like that they were... And even if it was just in a funny way, like saying like, you don't have to decide there's only one option for you. Like there are multiple options. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what they were trying to establish in the scene. Um, But of course, Jane is still confused and doesn't know what the hell she's going to do. So she, of course, does the typical Jane method and decides she's going to write about her very personal intimate details Uh, of her life. Um, When they're dressing her and, like, you know, being silly, uh, the ending, Jane puts on those sunglasses. And those sunglasses just so much reminded me of the sunglasses she put on in the pilot where um, she's like, how how are these? And Sutton's like, "Um, I can still see your pain, like, even though the sunglasses are too big. So it gave me such like season one feels with that little thing the whole jane trying on things in the fashion closet while she's struggling to make a decision mm-hmm. felt so reminiscent of season one mm-hmm. and it was like wow we've really missed jane at scarlet even oh, through yeah. these like trio processing sessions in the in the fashion closet and then we have cat meeting with the whole spa rep and he just seemed like a frat boy douchebag right away for me. I was going to say, did you immediately um, hate him? Because I did. <laughs> immediately. Yes. I was like, the way he was talking, I was like, I have talked to so many fucking men like this. <laughs> he was like so dull and like fake mm-hmm. that I knew there was something weird about him. And the way he was talking to Kat about what she could represent for the brand, this is where... I thought they were probably going to go an interesting route and, like, address the concept of tokenism Uh and how you think that you're valuing someone on your staff that is is diverse and has a different perspective, but instead you're just using them Mm. to not actually make changes within your organization. You're just, like, putting that face out there and saying, this is good. We don't actually have to do any changes because look at what they have here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't recognize that. They think like they're doing good and trying to cause change. But like it's not your job to make an agency change. It's their job. And a lot of people don't understand that. I wasn't sure where they were going beyond bad. <laughs> Just because of the way that he was talking to her. And then especially, especially when he pulled out the contract and very quickly provided her with a pen like it just felt very like pushy to me and I was like oh good god what is in this contract and then of course Kat didn't fucking read it which blows my mind please 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 word of advice if you're signing anything fucking read it at the very least skim it well 
Yeah, when she flipped pages to sign it, mm-hmm. I was like, um, oh my, and didn't even skim it. Like, Kat didn't even skim it. No. I was like, Kat, what are you doing? Also, I was like, Kat, you were a department head that has access to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Why would you not ask if you could take the contract back and have the Scarlet lawyers review it exactly. before you sign it? But. But this is just me, myself, thinking this, mm-hmm. like, as a person. When you think to Kat as a character, yes, I think it is completely within Kat's impulsivity to just sign that contract mm-hmm. um, without really looking at it. I could totally see Kat just being like, yeah, this seems like an amazing thing that they want me to be an influencer for. Mm-hmm. Let me sign it. And I know she's a department head. You should think about it more in depth. But I think the whole point is Kat is learning that mm-hmm. these things. I can believe that Kat wouldn't read the contract because she would just be so excited at this prospect. But I was also like, you haven't even tested these products. Are they any good? Come on now. The weirder thing to me almost is that she signed it without checking the products first. Exactly. I was like, so, okay, I can, for, like, Kat, fine, she doesn't read the damn contract. But, like, for Kat to be like, sure, let me go ahead and promote this thing I've never even tried. Like, that seemed a little bit more odd to me. So then we jump to um, a pitch meeting. Alex is pitching his Meghan Markle story. And I was like, yay, Alex pitched something that Jane didn't feel. He gets to have good ideas and write about them. I mean, I loved Alex and Jane in season one when they went to the bar stalking the ex-boyfriend. I just like Alex. Just give him more scenes with everyone. He's su- he's the one guy that I actually want to have screen time. <laughs> Can we get that for Alex? Yeah, the only time I'll ever ask for more screen time for a man. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jane, who um, she brings up, like Sutton said earlier, that Lauren, we had a Lauren reference. <gasps> I know, it made me in so this episode. happy. Also, can you bring her back at least for one episode? Um, but she says, like, the Mommy and Me classes are the best places to network. And so Jane pitches our babies the new fashion accessory. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I know. I thought that was so weird. <laughs> I mean, I could see it if you're doing a celebrity trend. Because I think, you know, with celebrities, you could maybe see if that's what the deal is. Yeah. With the young ones having it. That's fine. But I was like, is that a thing that normal people do? That doesn't feel like a thing. Yeah, I agree. Babies are expensive as shit. Like, <laughs> So then we have Kat coming in with her whole spa products running into fucking pinstripe think about how cool it would be if adina was in this episode with where the storyline went is if cat does like says i'm gonna do this and then adina did some research on whole spa because she's excited for cat and it's like hey i found this out why would you make me imagine this because it's so beautiful in my head (laughs) it hurts wouldn't that be so much cooler instead we get pinstriping cat and <laughs> we find out that the ceo of whole spa is a trump supporting piece of shit mm. and supports all these conservative racist homophobic organizations as soon as pinstripe cat- opened up his mouth and was like the ceo donates to and he like says family and it is like all he had to do was get family out and i already knew where he was going i was like oh, i think i gripped the sofa and i was like no <laughs> i was 
<laughs> I was so upset. I know. <laughs> I was so upset for Kat. I was like, Kat has to feel so fucking used right away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, so they just want to make a, a queer black woman their poster child to get the heat off of them. I was like, yes, Kat, exactly. You're their token. When I rewatched it again and I processed Kat's face of like realizing why she was asked, kind of reminded me immediately of 104 when she was like, oh, Adina asked me to like do this thing for her visa because I work for Scarlet, which prompted me to think about how we have talked about how Kat is seemingly very confident, but there does seem to be this kind of insecurity or this like sense of not being enough. Then that prompted thoughts about like not feeling like she was enough because she talks about like Adina's like super experienced, cool friends and how she ended things with um, Adina in season one because she thought Coco was more experienced in their relationship more like legitimate for someone who seems so confident Kat is actually quite insecure and needs this kind of validation so when I think about how she kissed Daniela at the bar she went over and told Sutton and Jane about it and she's like I was drunk and everyone was flirting with me and like I can see how Kat would give into that because it feels so good and I was thinking about how Kat signed this contract so easily because it felt so good like she felt valued And so Mm -hmm. when she realizes that she was just a token that would help them in the scandal, how much it hurts her. And so, like, this scene just gave me, like, a lot of feelings about the insecurity underlying Kat. Well, true. And, like, that's a lot that I think that maybe the show is touching at subtly. They're not – it's not necessarily uh, made as overt, but – there you you have to be confident in your abilities and what you do to be promoted mm-hmm. um so young like you have to be good at it and you mm-hmm. have to be confident and you have to believe in yourself but on the flip side of that there's also an incredible level of insecurity that also comes with that mm-hmm. because you have so much responsibility on you you don't have experience to back you up all you have is your creativity and your instincts so a lot of times you do feel this this sense of am I doing this right am I doing enough am I actually good at this or did I just get lucky like there's mm-hmm. a lot of that that comes with it even if you think that you are good at your job you know there, there's just so much that comes to play when you're a young boss mm-hmm. and I think it can be very valid that 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 level of insecurity influences cat so to be validated mm-hmm. and to say you're good at your job you're an influencer look at what you've done that level of validation and the excitement even though it was naive and impulsive for cat to sign the contract i also think that it was realistic in that moment when she's feeling validated mm-hmm. um and to see that all crumble down in this scene when she realizes she's being used and then on top of it she's not just being used like she's being used because she's a black queer woman like black queer women are used and abused all the time Mm. in media you know a cat has to be aware of that so for her to actually be faced with that and feel that Mm -hmm. i just felt so much for her in that scene yeah my heart um and asia played it yeah, Asia played it really well. Like, you see it in her face. Mm-hmm. Like, the anger and the sadness and the frustration, it was all there. Yeah, like the oh, of fucking course. 
Um, and then Kat talks to Sutton about it. Sutton says, so basically they're just trying to use you as their black bi band-aid. Um, which was a great line. I loved I it. it great. <laughs> this scene also is where Sutton finds out that Oliver is not pleased about the budget cuts. She has to figure out what to do. So then the trio goes to this playground that's like this mommy and me playtime. I don't I don't know what that was. I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> um, but it's either. a playground with a bunch of moms and kids <laughs> um, for Jane to interview the moms. And then we get an interesting conversation with the trio on their all their feelings about kids. That's yeah. more serious than the first scene was. Where Kat um, says, look at all these breeders or whatever. I fucking loved it. I like laughed out as loud. Soon as she said, <laughs> yeah, as soon as she said breeders, I laughed out loud. I was like, all right, Kat, you, you, you fully accepted your people now. <laughs> you know all the lingo. You you're no totally longer visiting. You're, you're totally one of us um so that was funny but then she actually gets into like why she doesn't want kids mm-hmm. she's like there's like economic reasons with overcrowding and mm-hmm. then she's also like i don't really see the appeal of being a human kleenex all very and uh, real for cat very relatable for me i was like sorry cat <laughs> i see you um i relate so hard to you right now oh my god um, this is the way then, i don't relate to cat i love babies they're so precious <laughs> i love other people's kids <laughs> but i also didn't think like cat didn't seem absolute to me she was just like yeah, oh, yeah. i'm not interested it wasn't like a a firm thing i would uh, agree i didn't think I think that she's like um just I don't think that she's like thought about it in depth. It's just kinda like a eh, kids aren't all that interesting and really, you know, there are these reasons for not. But I don't think she's thought about it a yeah, lot. I didn't think it was anything too story specific either. Yeah, I agree. And then Sutton basically says, you know, she thinks she does because she wants to be a better parent than her mother was, mm-hmm. which is obviously laying groundwork for where we're going next for Sutton. And then Jane is still struggling. She doesn't know. She's putting off talking to the moms. But eventually she's interviewing them while Sutton and Kat are playing <laughs> on the playground. I, I just, I wanted to live in that moment forever oh, with so Kat and good. Sutton. It was, it was so, so good. precious. So precious. Oh, okay. Uh, well, two things. First of all, the woman who's like, can you hold like my baby i need to go grab the other one i was like don't give a stranger your baby well i guess it's like i know where you work <laughs> i hope jane showed her her press credentials okay that's what i was gonna say i was like i could say i work at scarlet let's hope jane showed her her press credentials <laughs> um but it was like a conversation where i knew like especially when jane was having this conversation with her and she's tagging about how she's able to to be a young mom because she has the support of her own mother Ooh, i was yes. like okay right away i was like okay we're going we're going there with jane in this episode which i was very excited about i had a question about the merry-go-round scene do you think that that was just like a fun scene thrown in there or do you think that it had any kind of symbolic meaning for where they are at in their lives where they are just kind of silly goofy people figuring their shit yes out. i think it i think it was very symbolic because and it, it plays into the conversation that jane has with jacqueline later in the episode it's mm-hmm. like yes cat and sutton care about where jane is 
and want to support her and help her but they're not in the same Mm -hmm. mindset because they can't they can't relate to what Jean's going through they don't have to decide today what their future holds for them yeah like Jane does Mm -hmm. they don't and so in a scene where Jane is contemplating her future very heavily Kat and Sutton can just go on the merry-go-round and have a good time with each other and I think that's a relatable issue when you start to get into your mid-20s and older Mm -hmm. like you start going through important things in your life at different paces than some of your friends yeah and then there are some things like they just can't relate to it doesn't matter how how much they care Mm -hmm. um so jane is trying to write her article and is being very standoffish with with dr ben as he's trying to try to get them dinner and is being supportive of her and asking if she's feeling okay and oh my um, god katie i would be so motherfucking annoyed because (laughs) i can't stand it when people ask me questions when i'm in a mood i need to be left the fuck alone (laughs) and so dr ben all i could think about was read the fucking room ben she doesn't want to talk leave her alone stop with 101 questions Ugh. This is why you don't like Dr. Ben. He, this, you just know you would not be compatible with we him. We would not be compatible because, at all. Because I think he's trying to be sweet, but I'm also like, I just generally related to Gene because I hate having to pick dinner plans. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't want to have to choose either. Just tell me where we're going and it's fine. <laughs> but I mean, props to Ben. He realized like Jane wasn't in the mood eventually. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm going to let you have your space and let me know if you want to talk. I don't work till tomorrow afternoon. I so did like, appreciate that. I thought that that was nice and respectful of Dr. Ben. I especially Um, liked it because people can get really defensive and offended when people are in a mood and treat you kind of snippy that way. But Dr. Ben was able to recognize that this wasn't like him. Like Jane was just in a place where she just needed to like be alone and deal with her shit. So he's not snarky or passive aggressive at all. He's just like, all right, I'm going to let you do your thing. This is what my schedule looks like. Bye. Kisses. And I appreciated that. Also, that shows a level of his um, secureness, I guess, in this relationship. Like, he didn't need anything from Jane right then. He didn't selfishly try to get what he wanted out of her to make himself feel better. Mm -hmm. He was like, okay, this isn't for you right now. You're not into this conversation. I'm going to let you have some space. Mm -hmm. I was like... All right, I respect you, sir. I know. Good, good job, Dr. Ben. Hey, look at me saying something nice about Dr. Ben. Yeah, I actually <laughs> didn't think he was boring in this episode. I thought they gave him a his own, like, firm character-based motivations and actions. I would agree with that. I don't care for him, but he had more... So then we have Sutton going to ask Jacqueline for more money because uh, Oliver is pissed that the budget was cut. And Jacqueline is literally getting her eyebrows threaded (laughs) in this conversation. And I loved it. I loved it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes, this is like back when like Jacqueline's walking on her like treadmill desk skin. Like just being a boss, like how she keeps Mm -hmm. navigating life and everything. I was like. Oh, yes, Jacqueline. Yep. Get it. Loved it. 
Jacqueline basically says, Oliver always wants the moon, and we can't always give him that, so you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. I really love Jacqueline's delivery of this information to Sutton. It is the kind of way that I wish that I could talk to people. It's like matter of fact, but not rude, mm-hmm. where she's like, well, Sutton, the budget is already set. You know, this is why we had that meeting yesterday. That it was the time to, you know, hammer this out. So Oliver wants all this, and he's just going to have to, you know, work it out. And I was just like, God, that is such a boss way of talking. I wish that I could talk like that, and I don't. And it just makes me love Jacqueline more. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, Jacqueline has a way of delivering things in a way that is firm and to the Mm -hmm. point. It's not belittling your decision-making at all or trying to say, like, you should have done this better or you should have done that better. It's, like, always telling you how you could do something different Mm -hmm. without putting down the decision that you've already made. And that is a truly, truly impressive skill. And then we go from there to Kat meeting with Richard and Cleo over her contract. And Richard is basically like, yeah, there's (laughs) nothing in this contract that can get you out of it. Not even a morality clause. Kat, you should have came to me first, damn it. I was thinking about growth, how Kat is thinking about how she can't do this because she knows that they are using her because of the scandal that's going to break. And past Kat would have just done whatever the fuck she wanted and dealt with, like, the consequences. But look at her talking to legal and being like, hey, I signed this contract. What's going to happen if I, if, I, if I don't follow through? So I was, I was happy about that with her. Yes, you're right. It does show some growth that she's trying to, like, think her way out of a situation mm-hmm. without impulsively... Um, getting out of it, um, even though she she deals with it in her own cat way in the anyway, mm-hmm. and you know you, you really see it coming into conflicts with her morality, where she's like, you know, basically they just want a black lesbian as their spokesperson, and then to and to hide behind that. And this is a very interesting storyline that they're doing in terms of how. Um, people of color lgbt people lgbt people of color are tokenized um in the media and in the workplace um as an excuse to not be actually represent representative or to actually have diverse Mm -hmm. and equal policies for people yeah, and I actually had a question for you. So I've seen this in a couple of places where people have not appreciated the varying ways in which Kat has labeled herself, where she said lesbian right here, and she said queer in the past, and I think somewhere else in here, and then Sutton referred to her as bi, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. For one, I think that Kat doesn't have a firm label for herself. Agree. Still. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think Kat most firmly identifies with queer still, um, because she said that in the past, and that's the first thing that she said when mm-hmm. this was all brought up. Um, but I think there are two things here. When she says like oh they can just put a black lesbian on the cover and it'll be fine so i don't think that's necessarily referencing cat's like own identity and how she refers to herself Mm -hmm. i think that's stating that 
this is how this company views her. Mm-hmm. This company doesn't give a shit if Kat's bi or Cat mm-hmm. is queer. I'm assuming based off of Cat's social media right now, you can tell she's dating a woman. Yep. Like, so they aren't, they are not interested in, and it's also bringing up the point, like, they're not actually interested in Kat's story and the complexity of Kat. They're just there to use her. And so she's just a black lesbian who cares about who she is as a person. She's going to cover our ass type of thing. So I think that's also part of what Kat was saying here with her, her referencing that Mm -hmm. it wasn't more about Kat's sexuality, but I also think. You know, it's a possibility that Cat is like they're changing up the labels while Cat is trying to decide what works for her mm-hmm. and where she feels most comfortable. Um, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's more comfortable for people to see a character just use like the umbrella term queer until she decides. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't see anything wrong with her kind of changing it up until she decides what works for her either i think that it's definitely something that people have to kind of try out to feel yeah what i would is agree right for them. with like pretty much everything which was you know she used queer in the past she used queer again i think that's what she feels comfortable with using right now because of not really deciding on a label or not having anything more specific than that and you know Sutton is the one who used bi and when she used lesbian this time I think that it's because of how she would be perceived so I hadn't thought about the social media thing but if anyone knows that she's dating a woman I think that people just kind of immediately say lesbian um so I I think that yeah and also I use queer, lesbian, and gay very interchangeably, um, and will often just say, like, as long as you don't call me straight, I really, like, I'm okay with any label, because that's, like, the one thing that I'm, like, 100% certain of, it's it's not straight, um, so I just, I, so for that reason, I personally don't mind when people use terms interchangeably, especially when they're not completely set on one and so if Kat had referred to herself as bisexual and then as queer and even if she had said lesbian too like I wouldn't have been bothered because I would think that Kat is just still kind of figuring it out and all of these terms feel comfortable for her at that point um it's a process yeah I and also I agree with you in that sense too like um, I think it just depends. Like, for one, I think queer. Uh, I don't think Cat has to decide anything. Like, she could just be queer forever, and that mm-hmm. would be okay. Um, but I also think that um, I use like queer and gay and lesbian all interchangeably too. Mm-hmm. So I don't see anything wrong with her using all the different labels because I think that's pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is for me, and it is amongst my friends. So I don't think that's weird, but. Yeah. You know, I get people wanting her. I, I also get people wanting her to have a specific identity, but I don't mind if Cap feels a little bit fluid within a queer identity in the sense where it's not like she doesn't feel comfortable under anything under the LGBTQ umbrella. It's like she feels like she kind of flows in that mm-hmm. umbrella. And I think that's realistic for a lot of people. I think that my assumption is with the displeasure is probably primarily from bisexual women 
um, or maybe bisexual men who watch the show too, um, because I feel as if though I often hear from people on Tumblr or on Twitter who identify as bisexual is this frustration with the term not being used very often on mm-hmm. television. Um, and so I understand wanting to hear someone explicitly identify as such. Um, but again, talking about being true to character, I think that this is just in line with where Kat's at in her um, journey, and she may or may not ever decide on a single identifier. Yeah, I think that um, if they wrote Kat how they wrote her in season one, I would be more annoyed that she hasn't picked a strong identifier, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because it was so very, like, it's Adina or dudes. And that was yeah. it. I'm like, okay, we're going to need to get something more here. Yeah. But since they've, like, really dove into her sexuality this season, mm-hmm. I'm okay with her kind of learning and figuring out things. And, you know, even if she never firmly feels tied to any of them i also think that's fine so yeah we'll see what what they do i don't based off of where we are this season i don't think we're gonna get a firm identifier from her this season at least um it's a long form story for her which i also think is interesting sutton is trying to get this bar that they can't afford to do the photo shoot for free and like as she was talking to that woman i was like Sutton, flirt your way through this, baby girl. <laughs> Let's do it. You just said you could see it for yourself. Like, work that room, honey. Get what you need. I'm like, I'm getting the vibe from that owner. I'm oh, yeah. I'm getting the vibe. Work it, girl. But it doesn't. It doesn't work. And they can't afford to close the bar down to let Sutton use it for this photo shoot. And, um... She comes up with the idea while she's processing with Jane and Kat that they can do, like, a movie set and replicate the bar um, to get the same effect for Oliver. I was very Um, impressed with her for this, and I was like, yes, this is the creative, innovative Sutton that I know and love because I was very irritated with her in that stupid Balenciaga bag in 207. So I was very happy about this. fully... Yeah, this was fully a Sutton that I love and adore. And I also love, like, we've talked before about Sutton being creative and making things work and being able to think on her feet and make a decision. So that's been consistent for her character within the fashion department and what she's been able to do and how she's been able to get recognition. But I also love, like, that was applied here, but this was a grand idea. Like, this was a big thing that she was able to come up with and orchestrate on her own. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like pairing a cool jacket with this pair of pants for a photo shoot even though that's great and like building her up but this was like a big thing that she was able to pull off Mm -hmm. um and come up with and so I really liked showing that advancement in her as an assistant as well and then Kat is doing a uh like a a filming for her Instagram story with Jane and she feels like everything she says she feels like a fraud and a hypocrite Mm -hmm. and it's just not working for her and Jane was like I don't think you can fake your way through this cat it's not you and I really like that small moment between Kat and Jane because um it's just like establishing their relationship a little bit more and we didn't get to see a lot of Kat and Jane interactions in the first half of the season Mm -hmm. 
So it's a good little thing for me where Jane's like, Cat, what the fuck are you doing? You you need to be full cat on this. If there was anything you need to be full cat on, it is this right here. Yeah. Stand up for what you believe in. I appreciated the cat and Jane uh, solo time together as well because I think that we see a lot of Cat and Sutton, which I love. Um, but it's nice to see Cat and Jane together sometimes too. And then um Jane Jane runs into Jacqueline and Jacqueline's trying to get her her process on where she's at with her article and you know she senses that Jane maybe is having some writer writer's block so she's trying to work through it with Jane and Jane of course isn't telling Jacqueline about it and through this whole scene I was like Jane talk to Jacqueline she will help you <laughs> you know this she is your mentor. You just had a whole like season long arc about needing Jacqueline in your life again. Talk to Jacqueline. <laughs> she wasn't there yet, Katie. She wasn't ready. Gosh, Jean. Um, and then we go to the girls flea market shopping and dumpster diving to try to find props to recreate the Chad bar for Sutton. With and I love this whole thing. Dollars. Okay, I don't believe that they did that. I know that couch. Do you know how expensive that fucking couch would be? The fucking <laughs> piano. Like I, I was like, no. Like even broken as fuck. No way could you do. All I was this. like, is there nothing but the shell of that piano? <laughs> like, how did you afford that? Oh, also, how did they get the piano to an outdoor flea market? <laughs> I don't know. Does it have wheels? In, in New York City, do they just bring to bring like <laughs> this giant furniture to a public market in New York City? Oh is, does that how is that how it works there? This um, isn't important. But when Sutton said that the <laughs> clocks were broken at Chad's, I thought she meant like they weren't working. And then when Cat just like <laughs> drops them on the ground, <laughs> made me laugh. But I was like, oh, that kind of broken. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was so funny because the first time I watched it, I was like, is Kat trying to get it for a bigger discount? Why did she break the clock? Because I thought she just meant it wasn't working too. Yeah. But then when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, she broke it because they don't, because they were broken at Chad's? I was like, I wasn't sure. Uh -huh. But regardless, I laughed when she, when she did that. She did it so well. It was hilarious. She's just like, boop. <laughs> boop. <laughs> I know. This is just a great little bonding scene for me, too, mm -hmm. when they were doing it. And the music was great. Oh. So many good trio moments in this episode. I think mm -hmm. that's why I loved it. The girls literally stay up all night long setting the stage for this photo shoot with Sutton. After, like, dumpster diving and flea market shopping. And I was like, these girls do everything for each other. And I just truly love that. Um... It was, it's cool to see friendships that are that devoted to each other, and I'll never get tired of that. I agree. I really um, loved it. And then, so then Jacqueline wants to meet with Jane about her story and why she's struggling and why she hasn't turned anything in. And Jane finally confesses to Jacqueline that she's been struggling because she was diagnosed with the BRCA gene last year, and she's doesn't know what this means for her. 
And Jacqueline is fucking amazing in the scene. She's so empathetic to Jane. She stops caring about the magazine right here. Mm -hmm. She's just caring about Jane as her employee. Um, And she's like, Jane, why don't you just talk about how you're struggling instead of trying to force a story that doesn't work for you right now? Um, And I just love these moments from Melora and how she plays Jacqueline because it's really showing that there's so much more to being a badass woman than being this, like, cold, hard bitch that doesn't take no shit. Like, yeah, that's pretty fucking cool, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but connecting with people and caring about them also makes you a badass. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, I loved it. Um, because I don't know why I hadn't thought about the fact that Jane hadn't told Jacqueline her uh, status. And so when that came up, I was like, oh, shit, like, we went through the story in 106, and she knew that Jane was upset about it because of where it was hitting close to home, but she didn't know that Jane ultimately decided to get the test. Um, And so Mm -hmm. that was significant for me to have Jane tell Jacqueline, and I think that it is a testament to how much Jane really looks to Jacqueline as a person she can trust and confide in and I appreciated how Jacqueline was like don't even worry about the article Jane like I I know you'll get it what's going on with you yeah Yeah. oh it just made me so so happy you know I have a lot of feelings about how journalists are asked to just like to sell their stories they're constantly having to sell their personal lives out there. Like, Jane, like how we're talking about, we don't know how Jane can do that all the time. Yeah. But having an editor like Jacqueline, who's like, don't overexert yourself here. Like you need to do what's best for you. I think makes it more understandable how someone could, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have the right editor, that's not actually trying to exploit them. It's trying to help them be their best. Um, whereas I'm sure a lot of editors out there are just exploiting their staff, trying to get the best story out there with the best hits. Mm-hmm. Like Jacqueline kind of talks about later, it's more about the integrity of the magazine and the integrity of her employees that she cares about. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely coming across the theme of Jane. And anytime there's a scene between Jane and Jacqueline, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, those two actresses also just have great chemistry mm-hmm. together. My favorite Jane ship is always going to be the professional relationship between Jane and Jacqueline. Yeah. And I I was just feeling a lot for Jane with I, – I assume that when people are thinking about having children or when women are thinking about having children that – they might reflect on their own relationships with their mothers and view their mothers as a source of um, support and information. And I felt for Jane in the in the playground scene where that woman says that, you know, the way that she does it is because she has the support of her mom who, like, will watch the kids sometimes. And, like, then I thought, you know, like, there must be some realization for Jane that she's not going to have her mother to help her with her kids and then when she's trying to process all of this all I can think about is how much Jane probably wants to talk to her mom about this and she can't um and I think that Jacqueline sometimes 
works as a surrogate mom for for Jane and so for her to be able to talk to Jacqueline about this made me feel happy because I'm just sure that you know it's something that Jane is missing yeah I agree um then we go to um Sutton is crushing her photo shoot um it looks great and then Cleo shows up and wants to speak with Kat. And they play the video that Kat actually put <laughs> on her Instagram. Where she's like, oh, this is everything about the product. And then it's like, you're trying to exploit a queer black woman. Which she uses queer again here, too. Okay. So yeah. I think that also thing to how she identifies and, and the way she's using language throughout this episode mm-hmm. but um, because that's what she publicly said mm-hmm. herself to the world but um, that you know they're using a queer black woman to hide behind their racist homophobic agenda and I was like yes cat I know you tell those bitches I've never I hollered like cat I love you I was I was like this is everything I love about Kat right now as a character Um, just being unapologetically herself Mm -hmm. Kat whether she's struggled whether she's been insecure whether she's been confident Kat has always been unapologetically herself and that is so brave Mm -hmm. and powerful to see from a character on television and i absolutely adore that about her like this shit is why i love cat also in the scene cleo is basically fucking exposed as a trump supporter right Mm. like i felt like that was very subtly is that just me um i don't know if i even thought about whether or not she was a trump supporter i was busy being annoyed with her on a level the way she said woke to cat yes that's exactly what i was gonna say that had some like racist homophobic undertones to it like look at this young black queer woman i was like who the fuck are you cleo what do you mean what do you mean by woke what do you mean if that is not part of your standard method of speaking you don't have to fucking use it you could have used any other word Cleo and you chose that word and looked directly at Kat when you said it and I just have feelings about it because you could see Kat's face too the way she reacted like there was something there that I didn't like and then Jacqueline here um, is like why did you go to cat with this Mm -hmm. we don't do advertisements like this because we don't want to lead our our readers into dangerous avenues and you know i believe in the integrity of my employees and the integrity of scarlet and cat herself deserves better Mm -hmm. and i like that she specifically said that Mm -hmm. to cat in front of cleo and said that about the magazine and then it was at this moment in this scene where I was like, holy shit, Jacqueline has interacted and mentored Sutton, Jane, and Kat in this whole episode. And 
I they did, they've never done that before Not in an episode, one episode where nope. she's mentored all three of them. Mm-mm. This is the first episode that Jacqueline has mentored all three of them. This was such a perfect use this whole episode of Jacqueline as a character um because it showed so many different ranges in her leadership. Mm-hmm. Like how she interacted with Sutton Cat and Jane were also different. Like with Sutton, she was more of like guiding and mentoring her, and and like this way that we were saying earlier, like this is what it is, and this is what you need to figure mm-hmm. out how to do. Like being very straightforward and and guiding her in that way. With Jane, she was very empathetic and supportive through her with her going through a tough time right now. And with Kat, she was being her advocate as Mm -hmm. her boss and standing up for her. And I was like, how fucking cool to see a female boss, like embody their role and all these different ways. Like how they approached it was just very cool for how Kat Sutton and Jane got to receive it. Mm -hmm. But also incredibly cool for Jacqueline as a character. I can't, I can't really think of a time where you get to see the complexities of a of like a female boss in this way. And what an amazing boss that she is able to provide these different methods of interaction based upon their needs. You know? It's not just how does Jacqueline typically respond to situations. It's her responding to this very specific situation with this person and guiding them in different ways based on the circumstances and their needs and it's all authentic and I loved it this was in terms of like Jacqueline as a boss this is one of the best episodes of the whole series Mm -hmm. so I just really really enjoyed that probably like the most about the whole episode I also enjoyed when so I was irritated when Cleo was like well this is still an important partnership because blah 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 revenue and I'm like fuck you like my morality and integrity is not for fucking sale and I loved how Jacqueline was like um oh well then maybe you should ask that guy who wears the MAGA hat to like do the Instagram story it was like exactly what I thought and then Jacqueline said it and I was like yes thank you (laughs) yes also that is that is also true like in that scene like she's not just being like a boss she's also being Jacqueline Mm -hmm. (laughs) and showing this this like sassy side of her personality where she's like um bitch what the fuck are you on <laughs> no that's not how we do things oh, but in her own like professional way of course yeah um yep. so yeah that was a, that was a good little thing and then also like i love how oliver continues to be great over text message oh, yeah. this whole episode <laughs> like that was just a great touch where he, he's like great job love the photo shoot but also you've ruined this for me because now they're gonna want to do everything at a smaller budget and I was just like oh my god Oliver you're the best yeah. um, but it was, it was a great little win for Sutton yeah it was a small little scene with them just kind of like talking about things but I really enjoyed it for a variety of reasons um, I loved it because one I love Kat's outfit um, two I love how <laughs> Sutton is like he's your boyfriend you have sex on the regular and now you need to tell him important things like this and I'm just like Sutton you and me babe like 
the minds, how we work. And then she's like, speaking of boyfriends, and then she's got this text from Oliver. And I was like, I love everything about this very short scene. And then Jane and Dr. Ben are playing Scrabble again. <laughs> Just look at my face, Katie. <laughs> fucking Scrabble. I fucking can't with this shit. When I, I actually <laughs> laughed when I saw the Scrabble board. I was like, are they fucking playing Scrabble again? <laughs> Why can't they at least play a more interesting board game? Spice it up with your game life at least. Like, how often is Scrabble fun to play? Like, I like Scrabble every now and then. Exactly. But you're playing it pretty regularly. <laughs> like, But Jane basically works up the courage to talk to to Ben about her Braca status. And Ben initially is good and supportive. Um, but then he, like, just automatically switches into doctor mode yeah. and is trying to process the whole thing through a medical lens. And Jane is like, can you just be my boyfriend right now and not be a doctor? And Ben is like, yeah, I understand that's what you want. Um, but he, like, can't. He he just can't do yeah. it. And um, a very – and I liked this because it was, like – something for his character to show a dimension to him and to show him not just being like this supportive guy like this is how he processes things and deals yeah. with things and i thought that this part of the scene is what made him interesting to me and the the line that was actually really heartbreaking to me was he said the he said i understand what this means in a way that most guys don't mm-hmm. Um, And there was actually a lot of layers to that scene because, like, yes, he understands it in a way that most guys don't because of the medical implications, but he still has no idea for what it means for Jane as a a woman having to make this decision at the age of 25. And um, it was heartbreaking a little bit for to see Jane have to go through that. And you could see Ben you could see him wanting to be what Jane needs but not being able to in that scene yeah so I thought that was a good little like heartbreaking scene where you could feel the tension between them mm-hmm. I definitely felt for Jane because like I was happy when he gave her that hug at first because she needed it but then like you said he can't help it he starts going into kind of doctor mode and this is how he processes and Jane's like this is not what I need right now and I kind of hate that you can't stop and so she realizes that she's not going to get the comfort that she wants in her way so she's like let's just pretend this didn't happen at all and they go back to the scrabble and like that hurts me so then jane talks to cat and sutton about um how it didn't go well the conversation with ben and um sutton and cat are trying to process it through with jane and Um, And about her difficulty making these decisions about, you know, whether she wants to be a mom or not. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that she says to Jane, like, if any situation calls for, like, a pro-con list, um, it would be this. And I just appreciated how this indicates that she knows her friendship with Jane. Because I wouldn't say that that's necessarily Sutton's go-to method of dealing with things. But she knows that Jane is a list kind of person. So she's saying, I care about you. I know you need to deal with this. This is how you typically deal with things. Like, let's let's do it your way. Let, let me try and give you what I think that you need. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I also um, liked that it was like... Um, 
you know, sometimes they, like, joke with Jane about her list, mm-hmm. but they could see she was really struggling, so this was, like, a legitimate suggestion on this helps you. Mm-hmm. Can we do this to help you right now? Yeah. Um, and then I like that that cat then goes, um, you know, I channel my shrink parents for a minute. Do you think this has to do with the fact that you lost your mom at a young age, so since you didn't have that growing up, you can't picture yourself as a mom? And then... We get into some great moments here from Jane that Katie, like like I said, she always plays these moments so beautifully to me where she's just like, I think about all the time what she was like as a mom because I don't remember. I only remember her when she was sick and I wonder like what she did for me. Um, did, did she read me books before bed? Did she sing me to sleep? Like, did she play with me? And Sutton is really great here. And I was like, I think she was a great mom to you because you're a great person. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was just such a great thing to say as a friend. Yeah. Um, where you you feel like you can't say anything at all, but um, just that one little line goes a long way mm-hmm. um, when you're dealing with something like this. And then Jane continues to break down and say you know all I want to do is to be able to talk to her about this and I can't and it's so so relatable to any time especially like after losing a parent when there's a big moment of your life like the desire to just pick up the phone and call them to talk to them about it um is just incredibly strong and Every time, so so not only is it, um, and this is something that people don't think about, like, not only do you just, like, deal with grief regularly in your life, but, like, any time you have something good or bad happen in your life, you're constantly reminded of that grief all over again, mm-hmm. whether it's de- debilitating for you in that moment or not. And I think once that person has gone from your life, that urge to call them over things, big or small, happens even more so I just thought that was very uh, it hit extremely hard and uh, for me and I related so much to Jane in the scene and the bold type just does an incredible job at exploring Jane's grief over her mom even from a young age that it would continue through her lifetime and I've never seen it played like this before on television Mm -hmm. I agree I I really appreciated this scene it tore at my heart so much um and I appreciate it because even after all these years she still has all these questions about her mother because there are so many minute details of existing with the person that she isn't aware of and can't recall her memories are so so consumed by her mother's illness that she doesn't have any recollection of the small things of like did she kiss my forehead and I just Mm -hmm. god Katie just does such a great job with these scenes and with this storyline god this is the most like this is when Jane is is completely relatable to me Mm And it like it really takes my breath away anytime I watch her and in the scenes w- when she talks about her mom. I'm just extremely grateful for the bold type for portraying this storyline. And I think that like 
part of what I love about this is it does. It feels very authentic and real to me. It doesn't feel gratuitous. It doesn't feel... And then um, Jane calls her brother and decides to ask questions about her mom. And her brother um, reveals to her that um, her mom used to sing them landslide before they went to bed and they played the song landslide like through that point through the rest of the episode Mm -hmm. which absolutely destroyed me especially going through the grieving process recently i was like not this fucking song right now (laughs) this is too fucking much to ask of me it's one of the first times like i legitimately cried in a bold type episode Uh especially like I, I think that the scene where she's talking to the phone on her brother is small to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it weighed extremely heavy for me because after the loss of a parent, like, one of the most valuable things in the entire world is hearing stories about them. Mm-hmm. It makes that person feel alive again to you. Yeah. And, like, you could see that in Jane's face. And this is what I talk about when Katie, how Katie plays Jane here, how it's, like, mm-hmm. actually a really like nuanced performance from her because you can see the pain in Jane's face, but you can also see the joy Mm -hmm. um, in hearing about her mother. And then with the song Landside playing at the same time, I was like, what the fuck is this show doing to me right now? Yeah. It was just, I was just really, really special to me and just incredibly well done. Yeah, and I um, love that, like, her brother was just like, hey, I missed your call, and Jane's like, I want to talk about this thing, and there's no, like, question about it. It's just like, yeah, let's talk about it. I would hope in season three we get a little bit more about Jane's, like, living family. Yeah. Um, I think they've done a good job at exploring her background through her grief over her mom, but I'd like to see her brothers and dad. Yeah, I, I would, too. Um. And then um, we have a scene with Kat meeting with Jacqueline, and here's where Jacqueline is being a mentor to Kat. And I love that um, Jacqueline also mentors Kat um, throughout the show. Um, and I love the difference in how she mentors Jane Sutton and Kat, like not just like the different roles she played in this episode, but when she's actually mentoring them. Sutton you can tell that she's mentoring her in a way to like grow within her field and move up. Um, Jane, you can tell she's like mentoring her as a writer and how to like expand and grow on herself. But with Kat, she's mentoring her on how to be a boss and a leader. Mm -hmm. And she's saying to her here, like, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to be a spokesperson. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Jacqueline said herself in the first episode of the season that I want you to be the face of Scarlet's digital. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, but just make sure it's something that you can stand behind and that you believe in. Don't just do it because it's there. Yeah. And you can just see on Kat's face what it means to her to have this mentorship from Jacqueline. And it was a really great scene between the two of them. Yeah, where she's like, she's like, really? You think I should, you know, continue or I should pursue this? I don't remember how she phrases it, but kind of like, you think that I'm worth that opportunity? Yeah. Like, that I'm of value? And- you know, I was irritated with the way that Cleo, like, talked about Kat's unique identity and story. It felt, like, exploitive. Um, and But when Jacqueline says it, it feels validating and empowering 
the way that she tells Kat that she's... Exactly, because how Jacqueline uses it is not in a way to tokenize her mm-hmm. um, and use her for the benefit of Scarlet. She's telling Kat to do something that she believes in that she can stand behind. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just incredibly powerful and supportive to come from another to come from a mentor to someone um and i think also here that plays into what i was saying earlier about the validation that cat was feeling maybe when she was asked to do this mm-hmm. spokesperson role um and why she instantly jumped into it and you could tell her excitement and how much that meant to her earlier before it all blew up but here to be validated by Jacqueline, you could see how much greater of an impact that had on her and how much more important that was to her. And I think that speaks volumes to Jacqueline as a character as well. So then Kat is motivated from this talk with Jacqueline and she decides to look up cosmetic companies owned by black women. Which, yes! Oh my god. I hope we get to explore that because that's such a big deal in the cosmetic world right now that would actually be a very interesting storyline for the bold type to explore mm-hmm. especially with like rihanna and finney beauty and how you know a lot of cosmetics companies were like trying to be trendy and act like they cared about black women and women of color and they mm-hmm. didn't and then rihanna just jumped out and changed the game and left all these other cosmetic companies scrambling mm-hmm. so i would like to see them actually dive into this even if it's not the season even if it's next season I think that would be a cool ass storyline I agree um and then we have Sutton where she gets a text from Oliver and he's like clean the juicer I know you've been using it and then and go pick up these memos and I loved when they have her bring the ju- like the juicer like she's been cleaning it. She like gives it an extra little scrub. <laughs> it's such a small moment. But things like that just make Sutton um, such a funny character to watch. It's all in the physical comedy that Megan does with her. And then she goes to pick up the memos or whatever. And she's like checking everything she needs to do as an assistant. And then she finds out that she also has a plane ticket to Paris. And she gets to go to Paris Fashion Week, and she flips out and is like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm so excited. How she's, like, so overwhelmed and, like, jumping and pacing <laughs> through the office yeah. was so funny and exciting. And I was, like, jumping up and down excited for Sutton to, ha- to see her get this major career win. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I feel so stupid. I, like, or not stupid. I just wasn't thinking at all. Like, I have known since before the season started that episode 10 is in Paris. I have known (laughs) that Sutton will be there. When this episode started and we hear that Oliver is in Paris, I should have been thinking about the fact that we're, like, working our way there. But I, like, legitimately, I'm glad that I was not, like, thinking properly. Because when she was, you know, getting the whatevers and the assistant is like, oh, and I got you a seat in the back, I had, like, this completely, like, unaware reaction. Where I was like, oh, she's going to Paris? <laughs> That's an epitome of how great. That's like no. That's not dumb. 
that just shows how great this moment was for Sutton. It was so exciting for her. And she deserved a win. Yeah. I just really liked um, how you said she was, like, doing her strutting and, like, she was like, I'm going to throw up. I can't remember. She, like, does, like, this spin or something in there. And I just thought that that was, like, the cutest fucking thing ever. I loved it so much. I was, oh, her joy brought me such joy. It was a very good physical display of, like, true excitement. I, You just felt everything in that moment. It was awesome. So, overall, I loved that episode of The Bold Type. I thought it was a great episode. Everything was so character-driven and rooted in these characters. You believed everything that each one of them did. It was a defined arc that showed their growth so far in the season but showed how they also need to continue growing and that ended in a place where they learned and hopefully grew some more. Um, So I really enjoyed it. I agree. I can hold a grudge a little bit. So at the end of this episode, I was feeling a lot of very positive things, but I was also bitching because I'm like, look, I fucking know that you guys can do proper episodes. Why the fuck did you give me 207? (laughs) Yeah, I did feel that a little bit. I'm like, hello! (laughs) This shows exactly what you can do. What happened? Oh, yeah. Literally what happened. But generally, I was like relieved. I felt a sense of relief and contentment after this episode. I was like, oh, my show's back. So let's roll into our Scarlet Confessions segment. And one of the things that we really wanted to address, which has kind of been a running theme in our Scarlet Confessions in the podcast, is what's going on with Adina. Now, I think a very valid criticism of the show, which I didn't necessarily feel in the first few episodes, but now that we're getting towards the end of the season, I think it's ringing true, is that the show for establishing Adina as this very unique Muslim, Persian, lesbian, immigrant, has not really delved into the complexity of that identity living in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some some references to it in the beginning of the season, but not many. Um, we haven't seen Adina speak Farsi. We haven't seen anything about her religion from her specifically. Mm-hmm. Just like I think any part of that, act. it's like just her like putting on her hijab, her taking it off, her praying, her like praying. Anything. We haven't really seen any of it. Um, a part of me thinks some of it is intentional, but I would like to see more of it. And I think the beginning of the season did a really good job of showing us other layers to Adina that made her more personable mm-hmm. in the first few episodes of the season, I think was good in terms of establishing Adina. But I felt like this episode was a wasted opportunity to do that with Adina as Kat is exploring what it means to be, you know, a black queer woman in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. Who better to talk to and get that perspective from than Adina? So there were so many the opportunities to learn more about Adina through Kat in this episode. And I I don't think necessarily that doing that takes away from Kat driving her own story and leading the way here. But I don't see how there would be anything wrong with Adina being a sounding board to Kat Mm -hmm. in this episode where they can kind of have a mutual discussion on what that means 
for each of them separately and then that lead to some motivation for Kat to do something. There were just really cool opportunities that I thought they missed out on. Yeah, I think that that's especially felt because we haven't had other things that bring that out or like that we see that of Adina in other scenes because it's been so heavily laden with the the relationship angst so this you can see how it could have been used for that purpose right and i understand thinking that maybe it doesn't work as much because of the open relationship but i'm like if we're in this open relationship they're still in a relationship together there can be there can be a level of awkwardness because of the open relationship, but also this form of communication over this other part of themselves. Like they they could have del- delved into that a little bit more, in my opinion, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't small ways. Because you know, Adina's never had like this crazy significant amount of screen time, but they they have made the most of her in her previous scenes. Mm-hmm in the time that she does have to really establish her character. So who's to say they couldn't have done that in this episode as well? Mm -hmm. It has been frustrating not to see for Adina to identify as a proud Muslim lesbian, to not feel as if though a part of her identity, which she identifies as important to be seen more. I don't need it to be explicit um, and like very overt and like, let's have these like, very pointed conversations but just the way that I had mentioned that I love the way Kat and Adina play their relationship and you see this physicality and affection between them that is natural in relationships and makes it so much more believable and um, realistic that there could be these very tiny things that Adina is doing that incorporates her identities without having to necessarily devote a lot of dialogue or screen time to it. I think that they that they're just missing out on like these very little things that could easily be incorporated. I don't know. We'll see at the end of the season what what if they if there was an intentionality between how they how they've written Adina um or not or if that's something we're going to we really hope to see in the third season. So, then let's jump to our spoiler section, page 6. Um, next week is the road trip home to see Sutton's mom. Um, this is the episode that the girls have been talking about. They're super excited for since before the season started. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what happens. And then we also know from the episode description that Kat senses the rifts in her relationship with Adina and then we've had a sneak peek that basically establishes Kat still in this open relationship and she's getting nudes from other girls um and in the sneak peek Jane or Sutton I'm I don't remember which one it was like Adina's okay with this and Kat's just like yeah she's fine and I feel like there's definitely more that's going to be explored there. Yeah, I originally, when I read the synopses for, you know, the episodes, and I saw that 209 was a road trip, I just kind of made this assumption that the entire episode would be this road trip. But after this promo, which clearly shows us not on the road trip, um, made me question how much of the episode will actually be the road trip 
if you think back to like episode 109 last season mm-hmm. how like a lot of the the episode was in the airport for cat but there was the whole basically first half of the episode was at scarlet before she got there okay yeah oh, so man, what are they gonna do before i was thinking this rift had to do with immigration but now i'm really thinking it has to do with the open relationship I agree. Yeah, I thought it was um, immigration. <laughs> I've run through so many scenarios where I'm like, oh, well, Adina's visa is going to have some kind of issue and she's going to be told she has to leave sooner. Adina's going to bounce because I she's know. pissed at Kat. <laughs> but now, yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I like, I, I don't know why we bother speculating because we're always wrong. But i'm thinking like i still think something is going to happen i think how they've written this exploration with cat i think i think this episode was very intentional for cat's characterization in terms of establishing her impulsive nature and her making decisions without thinking them through and like actually seeing what she wants out of them and like examining them on a deeper level before she makes that decision like that's the whole concept of this contract right like on the surface she's like okay yeah i guess this is what i should do it seems like a good idea but she's not looking deeper into it Mm -hmm. and what the consequences mean she's just impulsively making that decision and i feel like i'm thinking maybe that's going to transfer into this open relationship where it's not exactly this open relationship like yes she does want to explore in a certain degree and Maybe she's glad to have that space, but it's not necessarily what she wants. It's she really wants Adina. Um, I'm hoping that's where it's going. I'm hoping that this impulsivity is going to make her look deeper within herself and see what she has in Adina as a person and as a partner, and decides that's what she wants. Um, so I'm hoping that's where this goes. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm hoping for or expecting. I am still very much fixated on the fact that I don't believe that Adina is doing this without great discomfort based upon 207. So a part of me is, I guess, maybe hoping that Adina just finally is just like, oh, Jesus Christ, Kat, I'm so fucking done with this shit. And (laughs) that they just kind of hash it Oh, but I just don't know if that's in Adina's character. Adina went to Scarlet and called Kat out on her shit. No, no, no. (laughs) Not not calling Kat out on her shit, but like... I don't think Adina would get necessarily mad at Kat mm-hmm. for doing something that she brought to the table. No, I would agree. But I think that it's completely possible that Adina went into this very much underestimating the discomfort that she would experience. Yes, I could see that. I could see that part. Yeah, and so sure. how that would you know would it be a calm kind of like cat you know i thought that i could do this and it turns out i really really can't or if it's a i'm going to keep holding it in because i care so much about this person and logically it makes sense blah 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 and then there's just kind of something that happens where she's like i just fucking can't well basically what i think is happening now is after rob's tweets and thinking based off of this sneak peek that the open relationship is the rift in nine so that we're not dealing with immigration still in episode nine (laughs) i'm thinking episode 10 um adina doesn't like adina and cat go to paris before 
Dina tells Kat mm-hmm. that her visa is expired, and so in Paris, like everything comes to blow. I don't think it's in the next episode. I think it's in Paris, like everything gets laid on the table for both of them, uh-huh. and they have to decide what they want. Yeah, in Paris, like I think that's where this is going. Two of nine um, better give some fucking clarification because because I keep feeling as if though they have to be working towards a breakup. But based on what we've been told with this whole like positive end, based on Cat's braids for season three, I'm imagining there's a time jump. So I just feel like we're doing a long distance relationship, which tells me that they can't have broke they can't be breaking up. To me, this open relationship storyline doesn't make sense if we're building to a breakup. Like, why not just break them up and have them explore and then get back together? Like, I think it's very weird, though, that you introduce an open relationship for the main relationship on your show, the most beloved relationship (laughs) on your show, and then literally not address it the next episode at all. I think that is very strange. Ugh. Uh, uh, I'm so <laughs> I'm already so tired of this open relationship. Just, but remember, remember, Abby, like brace yourself. Like it's still happening, so we're gonna have to deal with it. Katie, still. if I fucking see another fucking naked woman with Cat Edison, I'm gonna break my fucking television. <laughs> I'm going to break it. Deep breaths. Deep breath. Oh. We don't know where this is going yet. We're on this journey. We'll see what happens. Um, just know that we're keeping score, and we're gonna need we're gonna need some Kadena makeup soon because we're struggling. We're struggling. I'm gonna but make we're a here. fucking like list of the wrongs. <laughs> I have been wronged for this many reasons, and I need this restitution. Yes. Okay. Um. So everybody, thank you for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We continue to enjoy doing it for you. Um. And. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.